everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy. Welcome, everyone, today. I am thrilled that you are here today. Just so glad you're here. And if you're one of our regular listeners, welcome back. If you are a new friend, we are so glad that you found us and we know that this is really going to help you. We are mostly just very excited that you don't have to feel like you're all alone in this topic and um, that we are here to help you. You finally found your people over here at Screen Strong. So let me just give you a little review about what Screen Strong is really quick. If you are new, just want you to know a couple things because this past week I had yet another email from someone who was asking about Screen Strong and their friend was trying to tell them and they said, and they emailed me, they said, well, we just, we just don't believe it's good to be screen free. <laughs> I thought, no, that's not what we are. So please don't get confused. We are not against technology. We are not a screen free organization. A lot of people kind of get confused or maybe they just assume that, you know, how you just kind of jump to this assumption and that's just not true. But I will tell you that we are very bold about the type of technologies that our kids use and that we recommend based on science and evidence and all the research out there. Just in a nutshell, what Screen Strong is trying to do is to educate parents, just give them a lot of education so they can make the best decision for their families. But we will be very bold about, like I said, our recommendations to skip toxic screens in your kid's life. You know that our world is so full of technology. It's just everywhere and there's just so much of it. So you know that it cannot all be good. It's impossible for it all to be good. So the types of screens that we focus on the most over here at Screen Strong are video games, social media, which of course includes smartphones, and pornography. So those three areas are what we believe are the most toxic for your kids. One of the reasons why we have such a bold stand is because the bold stand works. When you skip the drama and the pain of toxic screens, everyone is healthier and happier. And I do mean skip. I mean eliminate. I mean remove. <laughs> I mean say no. <laughs> Learn to say no again. We've been doing parent workshops for about eight years, I guess now. And in the early days, we used to have parents bring phones to these workshops. If you can believe this, this is what we used to do. This was kind of a long time ago. And we would walk through with them how to set up parental controls. And then the next month they would come back with all these very sad looks on their faces and say, Melanie, there's a new problem now. My son did this or my daughter did this. And all their attempts to set up these parental controls would just fail over and over and over. And this is where we got the grand idea that, hey, maybe parental controls don't work. And maybe this stuff just really isn't good for our kids. And by the way, maybe we shouldn't be giving our kids stuff that we are in angst, you know, all day over trying to figure out how not to give it to them. So it started evolving and all of our mission with Screen Strong started to evolve to the point where it is today where we recommend that you do delay the types of technologies that are going to hurt your kids. So why do parental controls fail? The reasons why parental controls fail, just very simply, is because kids are innovative. 
What works today for you and your family will not work for you in a few months. They will figure it out. This is the job of your child to be innovative and creative. It's like a puzzle. It's like an escape room. Like this is their job to figure it out. The second reason why parental controls fail is technology changes. It changes as much as our kids are changing. So every few months, all the updates and all the different things that are happening on your phone and on your computer, it's just, it's just different than it was a few months ago. So then you have to go in, you have to relearn, you have to constantly relearn how to fix all these things. And the third reason is that no one, no one can keep up. The, the tech execs can hardly keep up with it, much less us, the parents who this is not supposed to be our full-time job. So we stopped doing those workshops and figured out that the best parental control is parents being leaders. And for parents to just eliminate the access to the certain things, like I said a minute ago. So the best parental control is the parents. The screen strong lifestyle is bold. It's brave and it's brilliant because it works. It really works. So the best parental control out there is to pause access during the stage of development when the most damage can occur. Families will start to thrive and kids will start to thrive. They become healthier. They become happier. When you as a parent are not tied up 24 hours a day, trying to figure out how to keep your kids safe online. So what are some mistakes that parents make? They believe that kids need privacy. This is a big myth. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. You know that adolescence is the only time in your season of your life that you get digital privacy. This is a really bad idea because when you get a job, you obviously don't have privacy. When you get married, you obviously don't have a lot of privacy. Parents do believe that somehow kids need privacy. This is what trips them up a little bit. The second thing is they don't have time to follow through and manage all the accounts. It is a full-time job. And again, one of the mistakes parents make is that they think they do have time. And none of us have time to manage what it really takes to keep our kids safe online. And the third thing is that they really believe that they can know where their kids are on this virtual world when they jump off the cliff and they can't. I am here to tell you today to break the news to you that when your kids have these devices, there is no way that you will know 100% where they are at all times. It's impossible. And the fourth thing is that parents really don't think that anything bad is ever going to happen to their kids. And this is sort of a protective blind spot that we have as parents that we just really want to trust our kids. We want to believe the best. And I am a very optimistic person, but I'm also a very realistic person when it comes to kids and technology. So I don't want to be living in a bubble and just believe that nothing bad is ever going to happen to my kids. So we get a lot of questions about parental controls. I had this topic on my list of how to hack parental controls for a while. But when I got an email from one of our members last week, Julie Christian, I knew it was time for this show. So I want to introduce Julie to come along and share her story and go through some of this material with me. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. When you sent me that email, I mean, can you do you do you have it in front of you or can you just tell us what what your message to me was? Because I was thinking just when I thought I knew most uh -huh. of the hacks, I learned something new. 
Yeah, I think we all learned something new with that one. Um, so just to give a bit of a background, I have three kids. Uh, one is 22, one is 14, and one is 13. And I think we've been, we've, we, we took away video games and phones and social media, I think six years ago. So I thought I had it all figured out. Now my son does go away to school and I had bought him last year a digital photo frame. This was my 13 year old son, uh, like just a off of Amazon digital photo frame. I used a memory card and put photos on it, family photos, so that when he was away from us, he would have photos. And uh, little did I know that the given enough time, the children at the school figured out a way to hack that photo frame and get onto the internet and onto Google. And they got onto YouTube and um you know, they found pornography. They also found a way to play video games. Now, get I mean, it is a photo frame. It has no keyboard, no mouse. It literally has four buttons on the back of it. And I knew, I knew something had been wrong with him because I just noticed he was acting different and he just seemed more agitated, more distractible, um, and also just a little bit depressed and like down on himself. And it wasn't typical of the kid I've known for the last couple of years off of screens, you know, we kept investigating and kept investigating and um, couldn't find what was going on. And then uh, somebody walked by and saw a different kid looking at my son's picture frame, <laughs> like with, with great interest. And uh, that was just <laughs> odd. And uh, uh, yeah, so it was discovered uh, that that was happening. And um I still don't know. I ask questions. I have no clue how they figured that out. But rest assured, there are no more digital picture frames in our family. But just when you think you've got it all figured out, they can figure out a way. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, when you, when you I, I mean, it was just so mind boggling to me. And so I love what you just said about how you notice something different about your kid. And this is probably one of the most important things you're listening today to just really pay attention to your gut instincts and your feelings. And if you feel as a parent, you know, you just kind of get this feeling that your kid is acting different, then act on that and research and investigate and don't just brush it off because when they do get into content that they shouldn't be getting into, which of course is just part of childhood. And this is part of being a teenager and a preteen and all that and adolescence and puberty and the whole nine yards. It's just part of life. But when they start getting into things they shouldn't be, their, their personality does change. You do see warning signs. And for parents, many times they can look back and they can say, oh yeah, you know, I, I should have been a little more aware, like I knew something was wrong, you know, and they can kind of tell me the month when things kind of changed in their house. And sure enough, you know, their child had gotten looped into some sort of a porn habit or, Mm -hmm. um, and it does seem to go that direction. Let me, let me tell you, when you told me this, I checked with some of my tech people and, uh, did a little research myself and yes, there were people that I talked to that were not at all surprised over your story as much as I was. And I'm like, well, how does this happen? How can they get to the internet on a digital photo frame? And they said, well, most of them have Wi-Fi capability. So 
this is the thing that if it has Wi-Fi capability, so you can download pictures from a cloud source or something, then you have to be alerted that there will be different ways for them to find out how to use it. So just when you think you know everything about screen hacks, you learn something new. And I'm quite sure in a few months, a parent is going to email me again and there'll be something new. And probably after the show today, I'm going to get some emails from those of y'all that are listening to say, oh, guess what my kid did? So um, this is a safe place to share all of that. So you can go in our Facebook group and share as well. Just let other parents know and let's alert other parents and let them know um, that all these different things can happen. And again, it's, it's not that we have bad kids. It's back to my first point that I made a minute ago that kids are innovative. They are so innovative. They can figure things out. Like I said, it's like an escape room. Oh, let's figure out the mystery here. And, you know, part of me wants to say, uh, you must have a pretty smart kid <laughs> um, to be able to figure out how to get to the internet via his digital photo frame. And persistent. Like if, if they... And I was talking to one of the the people at the school. I'm like, if they put half as much energy into their schoolwork as they did getting into that photo frame and watching stuff they shouldn't watch, we would have a school full of geniuses and the world would be a better place in about 10 years. (laughs) Of course. I totally agree. If we took all those hours and all that energy and all that effort that they they spend. And this is such a good example of that. And it's also a really good example of how technology is changing. And photo frames are awesome, but they're changing too. And probably a number of years ago, they didn't have Wi-Fi access, right? And now they do. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things in our house that have Wi-Fi access, and we are not going to get upset about any of it. We are just going to take control, and we're going to figure it out. Um, we're not going to let our kids suffer as a result of our inability to figure these things out. So it is hard for parents to keep up. But today, I'm so glad y'all are listening today because we are going to go through very quickly because there are so many things, but we're going to go through very quickly. This is this is not a full list of all the hacks out there, please. You know, there's no way I have enough hours in the day to, to go through every single hack out there. But we're going to go through just an overview of some hacks that you need to think about that may be happening right now in your home. So Julie, let's look at our list. So we jotted down a couple things. We're going to go kind of quickly through this. I did not know any of these things when I was struggling with all the stuff that was happening with my oldest son, Adam, with his gaming addiction. And we would set all of these. Oh my goodness. We had all the parental controls set. We had passwords set on the router. I mean, we thought we were really smart and he got through everything. He ran a dictionary attack on our, on our hat, on our, excuse me, on our router. He figured out our password. He said it took him like 10 or 12 hours, but he figured out the password. I'm like, oh my gosh. He tells me all this stuff now, all the stuff that he did. But I want to go through some basic stuff. I don't want anybody to feel bad if this is happening in your house. I'll just say that up front. I just want to give you some information because information and education is really powerful, especially when we're dealing with technology. So the first thing I want to mention is that any old device in your kitchen drawer, in your attic, in your old desk drawer somewhere can be activated with Wi-Fi. So a phone does not need to have a data plan on it or even to have service in order to get to the internet. This is a, I know, really simple concept, but 
parents all the time say to me that their child's been doing all this stuff, but it's on a device that's not even activated. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. All they have to do is get the charger and charge it and then get straight to the Wi-Fi on it. iPads are the worst because parents think, well, we don't have phone access, so it's fine. And they just have this big disconnect, right, over really the technology and what's happening. And Julie, I know that you probably, when you first start started the <laughs> Screen Strong, you had to go around your house and collect all this stuff, right? Uh, actually, um, I had taken their iPads and uh, they were in second and third grade and um, I had hidden them. And probably a year into it, uh, my son kept shutting his door and he kept saying he was reading this book. And it was like, it was like this book called Creepy Carrots. And I'm like, nobody has to read this book for that long. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> when he went to school, I investigated and I found that he had found the iPad and had plugged it in and charged it and had like a cracked screen where he had thrown it on the floor after having a tantrum over a video game. And he was playing it or doing whatever through the cracked screen and you know, yeah. so I, I got it and I never said anything to him. I just got just it and got I it. <laughs> threw it away. Like I threw it, I threw them in the garbage can because they're going to find them. So now that, that's what we do. If we have an old phone that we're keeping and just in case it gets locked up, we actually have, um, and I mean, I know this sounds horrible, but they're just so good at it. We, um, we put a lock with a key that only we have access to on our office door. Yeah. And that's where we, we put any of the devices, any of our computers, uh, anything is locked up unless, uh, unless we allow them to use it. Yeah, I just highly recommend that if you have old devices around your house, get them out of your house. You do not need them. I know it's hard to get rid of this stuff. You can sell them. There are different websites. You can go to a women's shelter. You can go all kinds of places to give them away, to give them in a place where they can be used. But any old device in your house can be activated. So just remember, in fact, right now, just start making a note to yourself that you've got to go search all the drawers in your house. One mom told me this is a real story. I'm, like, I am not making this up. There's no way I can make this up. That her son actually found an old laptop. And when I think about it, guys, I have some old laptops in the attic or whatever. It's like, why are we keeping these things? We have to get rid of them. But he took that laptop and he hid it in a slit in his mattress. Seriously. Like, it's like, think about like a drug addict and they're hiding their drugs and they're they're searching for these screens like they're searching for their drugs. And that just gave me such a mental picture of how powerful this stuff is. So the next thing is that most teens have multiple emails and multiple social media accounts. And the police officers that I talked to talked to me about this a lot. And they say, tell your parents. They don't understand that they think they're following their kids on social media and they think it's all fine, but they have a separate account for their mama to look at. And one officer told me that the average teen has five email addresses because, you know, email addresses through Google are just free. You can just get as many as you want. And so if you have a new email address, you can set up a new account on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever. And then you have two accounts and you have one that you take pictures of your dog and do silly things, of, you know, for your parents. And then the other one is where you get into all your trouble. So he, they, they just said this is a very, very common thing. So I don't know how you can really discover that other than you just have to know and pray that you find out about their other accounts. The next thing is that um, smart TVs have apps, everybody. Like I know that you might be rolling your eyes and say, Melanie, of course we know this. Well, some people don't know this. You have to understand that your child can get 
into just about anything on a smart TV. It's just like a big computer. So just be aware of that. We are very strict about our, our smart TV, especially when the kids were younger. And I would just keep the, the, um, the remotes hidden mm-hmm. and that helped um, to hide the remotes and just keep them just in a secret place. So they weren't constantly able to run in and get on things. Julie, pop in if you have anything to add on. Yeah, I was just going to say we um, we have two TVs. We used to only have one TV and it was in the main room. So you would know if somebody was on it. And um, I think the big thing is when you begin a, a lifestyle like this, the screens and the TV become so much less of an issue because you're doing stuff outside So it's only really an issue in the very beginning when they're used to watching a lot of TV. Now it doesn't seem like as much of an issue, but we do have two televisions. Um, My daughter's room had one mounted on the wall. So, uh, but we, we take the remotes, but knowing what I know now, taking the remotes isn't enough. We also have you know, have the, the plugs. So the plug comes <laughs> you undone. Take the plug. <laughs> yeah, because there's buttons on the TV. There so. is. No, you're right. You're exactly right. Remember, it's an escape room. They're going to figure it out. And mm-hmm. um, you have to take the cords for sure. So deleting history is one of the most basic hacks that kids will start. This is kind of the 101 hack. When you're in third grade, your, your friend at lunch at school tells you, hey, you can go to any website at home on your parents' computer, as long as you go to the history and delete it. And I get lots of phone calls about this from parents. This is one of the first things that they discover. How could their child be so conniving? They delete their history. I'm like, oh, you're just starting (laughs) the journey here. So if you see that the history is being deleted, but remember that they don't, they savvy kid will not just delete all the history because then mom will know they'll just go through and delete the sites they were visiting and keep the other ones. So that's a, hack. Parental controls cannot filter content on social media. And what I mean is if you allow Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok or any of these things, don't think that your parental control is going to be able to go into the inner dark web of Instagram and and remove all the questionable content. Does that make sense, Julie? Am I yeah. explaining that right? Like yeah. I think parents think, oh, well, Melanie, I they can have all these different apps because I have this parental control set on my phone. I'm like, no, if you allow the app, then the doors open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would just say with social media, just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> just, of course. Of course. Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your kids don't need social media and you know how mm-hmm. we feel about that over here at Screen Strong. And if you're new, we do not believe that any child or teenager needs social media. We're, we don't hate social media. Social media is good for businesses and all kinds of things, but it's not designed at all for kids and kids will use it in a very inappropriate way. 100% of the time they just, will. it's their nature and that's okay. They're innovative. Remember they're innovative. They're trying to figure everything out. So the next thing I had on my list was about Pinterest, because I just have to say a lot of parents think, well, I can allow one app, you know, social media app, which is Pinterest. And by the way, Pinterest is a social media app. You get on there, you can do all sorts of things on there. Um, but we discovered early on in our screen strong journey that Pinterest is loaded with porn. In fact, Pinterest is one of the largest porn providers as every porn star has a Pinterest board. So most kids I can find in a couple clicks down from a few different boards that they're following that you can 
um, access all sorts of inappropriate content. So just be aware of that. You know that you can't really control all that. You uh, Once you allow Pinterest, then you allow everyone who's following your child's board or who they are following, they have access to the people that are following the people that are following the people that goes down that whole big rabbit hole. Oh, you goodness. cannot control. You let's can't. call it, let's call it porn trist. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. I mean, no, I hate it. I, I hate that I have to deliver this message because who doesn't like to look on Pinterest for some craft ideas or recipes, but it's not for kids, right? Mm. So anything that is, wonderful and used for all sorts of good things can also be used for bad. And that is the kick of the whole internet world. And um, we are not going to vilify the internet or any of these things. We're just going to say, Hey, our kids don't need most of what's happening there. Twitter is the same way. Twitter. I had no idea. And until last year, really, I started researching this a little bit more. I just don't know why I thought that Twitter was just messages, but there are a lot of videos and that is just a very unfiltered app. So be very careful about Twitter. These things are not um, benign. Google Translate, Julie, this is one that <laughs> blew my mind. Yeah, that. but, but it makes sense because uh, like my, you know, like I said, my kids are away at school and um, I was emailing my other son about the trouble that my younger son got in. Mm -hmm. And he called me and he said, mom, can you stop emailing the word porn to me? Because it's a keyword and it's going to get me in trouble. They're going to come to my room. Like, I guess even if you type certain words in on your computer, right. it sends a message to the, the powers that be for them. And uh, they come yeah. in and say, what are you, you know, what, yeah, are, what you are you doing? doing? Yeah. So, so yeah. Google Translate, the way Google Translate works is you can go into Google and say, you want to know what the, the word chair is in a different language or, you know, pick a word lamp. I don't know. And so, but you can also go in there and say, what is a sexual word in a different language? You can take that different word <laughs> that's the same sexual word but it's a different language and type it then into your browser and your parental control won't pick it up because it's a different word especially if your parental control is set to english so th this is crazy this is what my kids told me early on that a lot of kids just they find the foreign word for what they're looking for does that make sense i don't know if mm -hmm. i'm explaining this right and they use that and it goes straight through the the um the parental controls i'm like yeah Oh my gosh. And so Google Translate does also act like a VPN. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So the next one is switching out SIM cards. Have mm. you heard? I mean, how brilliant is this? Yeah. So, I mean, that one, that one seems basic to me because yeah. I mean, I could take my SIM card out of my phone and use another phone. So it seems pretty basic. So if your kid has a SIM card and you have all your parental control set, that's great. He just takes a SIM card out, puts his in and mm -hmm. he's out and about and doing whatever he wants. So now, I don't see how in the world you'll ever be able to know um, because have you ever seen a SIM card? They're like the size of a mm -hmm. teeny half of a pea. You know, it's really hard. Uh, you wouldn't know the difference between the SIM card that you put in the one that he found uh, or that he bought from a kid at school. So the next thing is getting an admin password, even at school. So we feel like our kids are locked down really well at school. They are not. They can get the passcode from any teacher. Now, not the teachers are giving it to them, 
but it, it doesn't take much of a detective to watch the finger pattern, watch over a teacher's shoulder when mm-hmm. they're logging in. I would imagine that any given day, at any given school, any any amount of kids in a school, somebody is going to be able to find this. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to, um, a, as an adult, even to just watch all that. I know when I'm in the house, even when they were really little, you know, I would be so careful to type in my passcode on my phone, but they, it's, it's just, it's just impossible. I think at some point your kids are going to be over your shoulder. They're going to see it. Even when we're typing in the passcode on the the smart TV, we have to make them leave the room. I mean, you know, how really, I mean, there's like four of them and you know, two of us. (laughs) Yeah. And they're much more determined than we are. We're like busy. We're juggling 800 things at once and you know they they're kids they have yeah. more time than us but i mean that just you know i know we talked about it before but at my kids school somebody leaked the password to the employee wi-fi that has no restrictions and you know the kids were trading it like it was like it was uh you know currency you know do you wow. have some snacks i'll give you the password you know oh my and gosh. um I, when I found that out, I called the school and when I called them, they had already, they had, they already knew that that had happened and it changed the password and, and put things into place. But it's just proof that no matter how much you try, they are going to find a way. So you have to constantly be um, just watchful and doing your job and, you know, noticing behavior changes and noticing how they choose to spend their time. And, um, it's just a turbulent time altogether. Yeah. And I I think that's fascinating that they're using it as currency. And again, (laughs) these are not bad kids. They're They're doing what kids are programmed to do and what we really want them to be innovative. <laughs> you know, we don't want them to lie to us, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but they're just, so I don't want you to be mad at your kids out there. You know, I just want you to be smart and understand these things. The next one I have on my list is the hotspots on phones. And so mm-hmm. when they, they go to school and the, 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 the firewalls are there and all the different controls are there, all they have to do is put the hotspot on their phone and then they're out. They're out of the school firewall. And mm-hmm. the tech people at our school tell me all the time that they, you know, please don't send a smartphone to school with your kids, you know, and of course my kids don't have smartphones. By the way, if you're new, my kids don't have smartphones. They're seniors in high school and they still don't have smartphones and they are just fine. They are doing fine. But um, they say this causes so many problems because we can no longer control, you know, uh, what they're doing on their computers. This is one, this next one, I had never thought of this one until recently when a parent told me this is what they found out their kid was doing. They were downloading an app every morning when they went to school, they were playing and doing and doing this stuff on it. And then they deleted it right before they they got home. So the parent was checking their phone, thinking they were doing all the stuff, but the kid was just adding it <laughs> and then deleting it. <laughs> well, that's so simple. Like, why I didn't know. I think of that? Isn't know? that so smart? Like our kids are so smart. And so they found out because it was just finding out, finding out through another parent who getting all the stuff during the day from their daughter. And she's like, well, she doesn't have Snapchat. And she's like, well, yes, she does. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, at school, um, kids, even if you don't allow any of these apps on your child's 
phone or in their life, they can just go create an account on somebody else's phone mm-hmm. and somebody else's computer and um, just kind of park there and, you know, park their car over there and be on that uh, social media app all day on somebody else's device. So again, I know it's just chasing our tail, you know, but we have to be aware of how this works. Also, very simple. Your kid can just create social media accounts on their laptops and on other devices mm-hmm. if they're not on their phone. Cause I think a lot of parents mistakenly believe that social media apps are only available or, or downloadable on your phone. That's not true. You can get to any social media course on your laptop. At, and it's important to say like at grandma and grandpa's house where grandma and grandpa might not be as vigilant. Yeah. If they spend a lot of time anywhere, they spend a lot of time. So that's something that my husband and I consider all the time, especially right now, since he, you know, my son found his way into porn, um, you know, with that picture frame, you can, yes. you have to be super vigilant because you also don't want to expose other children to that. Yeah. So it's like when you go over to somebody's house, you either have to, to play, you have to either go with or make sure that parent understands yeah. how vulnerable all of that technology is. So it's definitely something to think about because they can log on to another kid's computer. And, you know, if that parent's not as aware, they can do whatever they want. And this is the beauty of our Screen Strong movement that we are starting and we're creating. And uh, very, very soon we will have the capability for you to go on our site and find other Screen Strong families in your area. Because once you have your Screen Strong village and your little tribe figured out, then it's it's okay. And everybody's alerted and we know, and we just have a different lifestyle. And I don't want uh, people, again, I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want parents to be discouraged. I just want you to be empowered to know um, what's possible and why it's so important to really stick to your guns and why we are so vigilant over here about our bold stand to protect our kids. Uh, This next one, Okay. I, I, I can't even believe that. I mean, I do. Okay. I got to quit saying I can't believe things because I mm-hmm. have to believe things. There was a mom in our group who her child was on Spotify and, you know, you can evidently um, message back and forth on Spotify. So who would have known this? And she was talking to someone she didn't know on Spotify and it was just really very disturbing. And some things had happened in their family with predators that they were very disturbed about. So they took Spotify off their child's phone and she was 11 years old, but she insisted that she had to have her alarm um, the phone and the clock or whatever. So what they found out uh, very soon was under the clock app, you can select listen to sleep noises. And when she checked that listen to sleep noises, Mm -hmm. it pulled up Spotify. (laughs) And that's how she was getting more access to Spotify. So I don't know if that if you follow that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, um, I think Spotify, honestly, you might want to put that under the social media. Um, wow. Category because I mean, I know just from being in the group that a lot of parents have had children say they need this um, smartphone so that they can have Spotify so they can listen to their music and then they're able to access, you know, things through that. I, I don't know how. And then also the clocks. I think my son did tell me that that's how he was able to hack on his uh, 
photo frame is through the clock, but I, I don't really understand. How, oh, so. wow. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of apps that we think are fine that mm -hmm. will lead to other URLs through an ad or something like even the weather app and you can click on an ad and then all of a sudden now you're on a site and now you're out. Like it's mm -hmm. just very interesting how <clears throat> all that works. And uh, on my this is this is our basic list. Actually, we're going to talk about some complicated things next. But <laughs> the end of the basic list, I just want to say that all your child has to do is Google any question they have, and they will get all the help they need to hack any device that you have. So um, Google is, of course, wonderful. We love Google. We all use it every day. Um, but your child will use it too. And they can just type in, how do I hack the screen time limits on my iPhone? And they will get page after page after page after page after page of all sorts. And I would suggest that you do this as a parent, you become a little detective yourself and just start Googling some of this stuff because it's out there and it's very clearly explained um, to kids how to, how to do all that. So that's sort of something we have to realize that they are maybe not thinking all this stuff up themselves. They're going to be able to figure it out really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think that the three biggest mistakes that parents make, let's talk about this for a minute, and then we're going to talk about some more hacks. Okay. But I think the three biggest mistakes are number one, they believe that parental controls can do the job. Mm -hmm. Julie, you and I both used to think <laughs> this, right? I mean, yeah, that and, um, you know, thinking that parental controls are going to, um, adapt as quickly as your children do to the technology yes. is a, just a huge lie. The only person that can do the job of parenting my kids as good as I'm going to do is if you could clone me. If I could clone me, then that would be a good yeah. parental control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, no. I mean, being the parent and um, making sure my kid does what they're supposed to do and doesn't do what they're not supposed to do is is me. Yeah. And they're still going to and they're still going to screw up because they're kids and that's their job. So. And you and you need parental controls. We're not saying that you don't use them. Of course you use them, but you don't trust parental controls. Right. You always trust your gut and um, you have to always be five steps ahead of your, your, your child. So it's not that we are saying not to use parental controls, but I'm saying not to trust that you can throw the towel in and be done. You are not done. There is no parental control out there that uh, you can get off your guard, right? So the second big mistake that parents make is that they, like they trust parental controls, they trust their kids mm -hmm. and they trust their kids not to lie to them. And that if you just have a conversation with your kids, that's all you need to do. So this again is putting too much trust in your kids. Now, trust is a thing that is an adult character quality. We do not trust kids. That It doesn't make sense if you really stop and think about it. It doesn't make sense to trust your kids. Now, your kids, when they turn 14, will make you feel like a terrible person because they will say <laughs> things like, you don't trust me. And uh, what you will say is, you're right. I don't trust kids. <laughs> so what happens, Julie? What happened in your house to your kids? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking to you last year when my now 14-year-old was 13 and it was like he became a different child. He, you know, prior to puberty, he would wake up 
you know, early. He was very conscientious about his schoolwork. His room was always tidy. Like I was like, I got this kid on the right track. And then puberty hit and it was like somebody unplugged his brain and he could not think for himself. He could not get up in the mornings. His room was a disaster, you know, and I just thought, what has happened to my child? It, it was like night and day. And, um, I got to tell you, like that child could not trust himself. Like his brain was not working. And I think it's just a biological thing when it you're is. going it through is. that stage. But uh, now my 13 year old is going through it and my 14 year old is coming out of it. But um, I, I would like to say something about trusting your kids not to lie to you. You know, I trust my husband and my husband trusts me. Yes. But I mean, I think we can all ask ourselves, have we as adults who are trustworthy, honorable adults, have we lied? And if the answer is yes, then of course our children who are still learning are going to lie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I may trust my kid with certain things. Did you take the garbage out? Yes, I can trust. He mm -hmm. probably did take the garbage out, but I'm not going to trust my child with an addictive technology that does to his brain the same things that drugs do. Like that's just the most ridiculous. I can't even imagine that making sense. It's yeah. I don't even trust myself with social media because it's just as addictive to me. Right. Um, and so I think I, you you hit a really good point because you said how you know at twelve or thirteen there is a certain um, pride that we have as parents. We think, oh, look at my child. They are so mature and they're doing and whatever. And, and then what happens is the, that puberty hits, their brain starts to reorganize. And if you can just envision a closet, that's like your coat closet downstairs and it's all cluttered. And so you've got to clean it out. And this is what happens during puberty. There's so much stuff in there that our brain says, wait a minute, we've got to clear all this stuff out. It starts pruning everything away. And now we're just going to only keep the things that fit. But, you know, and so after you clean out your hall closet downstairs with all of your stuff, oh, it looks so nice. But the process, it doesn't look nice. You know, if a teenager is cleaning their room, that doesn't look nice either. Right. Because it's just mm. stuff everywhere. And that's the phase that they get into trouble. Their brain is cluttered. It's all trying to figure out what are we going to keep? What are we going to prune away? And at the end of the day, when it's all fixed around 25, I hate to say it does take that long for everything to get fully reconnected again, then they're going to have a beautiful brain and it's going to look great and it's all going to be functional and really super connected. But until then, it's really not. So that's why you're seeing your child kind of take that U-turn, I like to say. Uh, they're not bad kids. I'm going to say this over and over. There's nothing morally wrong with your kids. It's just what's happening to their brain. And then we give them technology. And then this technology makes them lie to us even more. And I have a rule. I don't think I ever want to give my kids anything that's going to make them lie more than they're already going to lie. I, I don't want my kids lying. But lying is sort of like part of that escape room. You know, it's one of their tools in their, in their toolbox that they use to get out of things that they're trying to fix and get into and get out of. And they just throw it out there. I mean, uh, all my older moms that I have, friends that I have, they, they learn the hard way. We all learn that kids lie and, um, and we don't judge them. We don't, again, think they're terrible people, but we just, 
we're just prepared for it. So that's right. one mistake I think that parents really believe. But after you become a screen strong parent and you listen to these podcasts enough, you're going to be prepared and, and you're going to hug your kid and you're going to love them and you unconditionally love them. But you're going to know that they probably are going to lie some to you. The more technology they have, the more they lie. I, I just have to say, I, I think the more reasons we give them to lie, the more they're going to lie. And they get very embarrassed. They get shamed. They don't want to disappoint you. Ultimately, that is the reason why they lie. They don't want to let you down. The third big mistake that parents make is they really believe that the world is basically good and people care about their kids and no one will invent any kind of technology that will ever hurt their kids. And I remember thinking this so clearly with my son with his gaming addiction that, well, they wouldn't invent a video game that would harm a child, right? Well, I was so naive. <laughs> I really thought that. So I just want to say for all those other mamas like me out there, I I, I feel your pain. I really thought that. And I kind of chuckle now because I'm thinking, how did I think that? But I was pretty naive back in the day. Don't trust parental controls. You need them. But removing access is the best parental controls. I just wanted to add to that um, third mistake. I think some parents, and then this is how I started down the journey with iPads. You know, I bought iPads for my kids for Christmas. It was, uh, you know, many years ago, they were in second and third grade. And I just, I didn't even, it wasn't that I trusted the world to care about my kids. I just saw that everybody else was doing it. And I thought, well, they're probably way better parents than me. And if they're doing it, it's okay. Uh, So I'm sure it'll all just work out. It's just the complete wrong perspective. Because if you look What you need to do if you have young children is look at the kids that are coming out of high school um, with all of these identity issues and screen addictions and, you know, look at look at, you know, other parents that are about 10 years ahead of you and ask them, you know, what are the three things you would change? And I bet you most of those parents would say I would not give phones to my kids. You're exactly right. That's a really good point. That's kind of the fourth big mistake is that we trust our peers and we think, well, if they're doing it, then it's okay for us. And, and you're right. You have to ask parents that have already been through it. You know, you have to ask them and really pay attention to what they are recommending um, instead of what the same age peer parents that, you know, that you have in your circle, because nobody really knows what they're doing around many, many parenting issues until they've done it. So mm-hmm. I love talking to older parents. I love talking to parents who have kids that are older than my kids. I do that all the time. I ask their advice. I ask, and you're exactly right. Most of them would say that this was the biggest mistake we made um, was mm-hmm. with technology. So we know we have to have parental controls. So what are we going to do? I personally believe that the free parental controls and the blocking software that comes with your computer um, for a PC, it's just Microsoft. That comes free, and every computer does come with free stuff. Uh, I don't believe kids need smartphones, so guess what? I don't have to worry about parental controls on a phone because it doesn't work anyway. So that takes a huge load out of our life. They they do have a talk text phone. It's fine. It it has no internet access, so therefore not a huge need for parental controls. Um, but we just use Microsoft. It's free, and the way we do it in our house on their on their computer. We block everything. And you've heard me say this before. We block 100% of everything and only allow 
the five or 10 sites that they need for school. And we have found that that works so much better than trying to allow everything and then block the sites that they don't need. So when we figured that out, I felt like I had just won the lottery because it all of a sudden we, I mean, do I trust in hundred percent? Of course I don't, but it really wiped out a lot of the problems that we were having. Again, we block everything and only allow the things they need. And if they're in school or here doing their homework, we get a notification on our phone to say so-and-so Andrew needs to go to this site and we allow it and it works beautifully. We do not trust parental controls. Again, yeah. you, you need them, but you just can't trust. You, you have to, you know, remove the access during this season of time to get their brains developed and to protect them. You want to protect them. Again, there's a whole nother show that we'll do on overprotecting and helicoptering and all that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being the parent, being their coach and um, setting up their environment for success. So there are some parental controls out there. For example, I know a lot of people talk about bark. We don't recommend bark. I don't want, I mean, bark basically shows you everything, you know, your kid has seen and all the stuff that they've places they've been. And it's kind of after the fact, and um, that doesn't make me happy to think, well, they have to see it all. And then I'm just going to see what they saw. I don't want them to see it to begin with. And the other thing with bark with iPhones, it doesn't work well with iPhones. Uh, you know, it works with Android, but they have to come, they had to come up with a whole nother app. And then I looked at it even again last night to review. And there are over 10 steps to install this workaround that bark has to have all this stuff sort of work on the iPhone. I'm like, I'm just telling you it's exhausting. And there's no way that, uh, average parent can do this. It is very complicated. And in light of everything that we just said, all these other things, it's, it's not only going to change, but every time you do an update on your phone, you know, every, that's another thing, Julie, every time that Apple comes out with an update or you do an update on mm -hmm. your Android, the potential for all your parental controls and all your settings to be changed is there. So it's just impossible to keep up with. Yeah. It's just, you're running behind the truck, right? You can't ever catch it. <laughs> I know? mean, I feel like parenting is so much easier if you remove smartphones from the equation. Yeah. I mean, your, your kid doesn't need a smartphone. My kids are in school four hours away from me and I do not need a smartphone. There's a landline. If they fly home, you know, last year we didn't have, um, you know, right now we have a, a gab phone, but um, they only have it for when they fly. But we did airports and everything without a phone. And my kids were resourceful yeah. and they found ways to contact me uh, if they needed me. And, it, you know, it does test your your parenting uh, nerves, I guess, or your sea legs for parenting in that it's kind of scary. But I remember talking to you about this, Melanie, when I first went through it and you were like, well, we did that when we were kids. And it's true. You know, my yeah. parents sent me and my brother out in Disney World because they wanted some alone time when we were probably, you know, eight and 11 <laughs> and said, be back at a certain time, you know, and, yeah. and we did it. And, you know, why are we not just doing things in a safe way for our kids. We do not need a smartphone for that. And yeah. my life is so much easier because I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about parental controls. I don't have to worry about bark and I don't have to worry about 
social media because they're not on it. Yes. And that is the best solution. It is, it's just the best. I mean, and it's not our opinion. This is based on the science. It's based on all the evidence out there and all the research and studies on the mental health problems with kids and just all the physical, the emotional, you know, all the problems that happen when they're on all this. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it not giving your kids a smartphone and not worrying about all these parental controls. It's a way to make your kids more independent, by the way. Um, kids who don't have access to all this are much more independent because they have to be resourceful and they have to be innovative and figure out how are they going to solve the problem if there is a problem and they don't depend on the device. Having a taught text phone is fine. Um, I don't think you even need a taught text phone until you're probably 15 years old. I mm-hmm. think you're you're just erasing all the opportunities for your young kids to learn how to get over the awkwardness and the hard thing about growing up is to have to talk to an adult when you don't know what to do or to go to the school office and call your mom if you need something and have to talk to the lady at the desk. I mean, these are all things that we don't even think about, but for that age, it's really important. It makes them very independent. Mm-hmm. And by taking all that opportunity away, then you end up with a teenager who is not independent and who's very needy and they're teacups, they call them, you know, they're very fragile and they break yeah. easily. And and, and this is all tied back to this conversation of parental control. So really the best solutions for all of this are usually the most simple. And that's true with everything in life, right? So th- it's just very simple. You just don't allow this access to the stuff that you need parental controls for. If you need to lock it down, then don't give it to them. That's yeah. kind of simple. That's kind of a simple way to think about it. So you don't trust conversations that you have with your kids, even though you have to have conversations, but, but we just can't trust that they're going to do everything we say. We don't trust the device. Of course, we don't trust the device. You know, we don't trust our kids. And I know that that kind of stings sometime to hear that. We know that trust is not love. We just talked about that. And the other thing is, is, is we can't get mad about it, Julie, right? We, we can't get mad. We just I don't know. I, don't know I got a little mad, but I didn't I'm get, sure. I didn't get mad at my child. I just right. had, I took, you know, when I found out about that picture frame thing, you know, I went out and did some exercise and maybe I <laughs> aggressively cleaned my house a little yes. bit too much. Yes. But the it is aggression true. house cleaning technique. <laughs> yeah, I, aggressive house cleaning. That's what there we will call it. Um, but I did, I did give these words to my son. I said, I, "Nothing you can do is going to make me stop loving you. Yes. I'm disappointed in your choice that you made, but I love you, and we will get through this." Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't want parents to get angry, and I don't want y'all, y'all to give up either. Don't yeah. give up you've got this and you know, we've got your back and we're going to help you, but you've got to realize that you do have a choice and you have a choice to pause all this nonsense and instead, instead of keep trying to make it fit, you're going to make yourself crazy trying to track down all of the things out there that you need to track down with these parental controls. So we're, we're about to wrap up, but gosh, we hadn't even gotten to this other. Okay. Let's go through this other. Um, these are more advanced maybe hacks. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they're all not. the same. They don't seem advanced. (laughs) They're not very advanced. So a VPN, a VPN is a virtual private network. So your child can get on any uh, device that has parental controls and they can actually search for a virtual private network and they're free ones. Uh, Some of your parental controls may block those, but 
your parental controls don't block the paid ones and your parental controls don't block many of the free ones. And this is what a lot of the school resource officers tell me. This is how kids get out. They get on a virtual private network and a virtual private network is like jumping over to another country almost, you know, to, to do all your searching from Google over there. So instead of doing it from your computer, you're actually doing it from another location, if that makes sense. We already talked about clearing the computer's browsing history after installing software. So you can install certain software and delete your tracks basically. So people, so your parents don't know that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that most parents are not going to be able to find apps, especially if kids hide them in certain folders. And that's Mm -hmm. another way when certain things are hidden in folders, we will never see it as a parent. We have had uh, kids uh, buy hand-me-down, not our kids. Well, they they were very capable of this, I'm sure, but they didn't do this. But some of my friends have their children who bought hand-me-down phones from school classmates. So if you don't allow a smartphone. So I would say that you need to be careful anyway about what kind of money your kids have, where their cash is, how much access they have to an account, possibly at a bank. And as a parent, you need to monitor that. You need to know, and this is also very true if they're gambling online, because a lot of kids gamble online, but if they have enough money to take cash to school and buy a device from a kid, it's like, you know, buying drugs. You need to know where they're spending all that. Agreed. A few more. Let's just go through a few more. Stealing the parents' password. We talked about that, about how they steal the teacher's um, passwords. You know, yeah, just, or the school's password. Or... Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We have student passwords on our campus, but we also have admin passwords. And then, of course, at home, they can get your passwords. Screen recording. This is very interesting. If you've set up screen time on your child's device and your kids hand you the phone, they can actually set up a way for the the screen to be recorded. So when you're typing in the password, it actually gets recorded. There's a little red dot that appears. If you are not looking for it, you won't know what that is. And so they now have a little video of the password. That's so clever. Yeah, I think that's really clever. The router, if you have a, a router and you have like Disney Circle, for example, you've got that device plugged into your router. That's sort of a, a parental control that is at the router level. Many kids just learn they can just unplug the circle. They can just unplug the router too. And they can use, of course, Wi-Fi from their neighbor's house if you're close enough to your neighbors. You can factory reset your phone. And this erases all existing restrictions and allows your child to restart everything all over again without the parent's knowledge. So they can literally do a factory reset, get rid of everything that you put on there. The other thing you can, your child can watch videos through links that their friends send them on text. So just because you don't want them on YouTube doesn't mean they're not going to get to YouTube videos by having their friends send them the link of the YouTube video. So um, yeah, that's pretty clever. Changing the time zone to get around (laughs) the, the bedtime. So that's really easy. Just change the time zone on your clock. And now you can be up at midnight or two o'clock while your parents think they set that screen time on there and locked it down. And parents tell me all the time, oh, their phone's locked down at eight o'clock. And I say, well, go check the time zone to be sure that that, but they can change the time zone at any given night and put it right back the next morning. So you'll Mm -hmm. never know. Again, clicking on links inside of an app to open a built-in browser that might live in an app that you will never know about. Deleting and re-downloading the app to bypass the app limits. Let's see, there's so many things. I can't get to all of this. Using 
a locked phone with a hotspot enabled to circumvent nearly all controls with that second device. This is the hotspot problem is a problem because uh, your child can ask their friend sitting next to them to give them the password to the hotspot on their phone too. And then they can use that to get out. Siri dictation. If your child can text their friends using iMessage in spite of you turning it off during the app limits or downtime, chances are they're going to get Siri's help. So they can actually tell Siri to go somewhere and she'll, oh, she'll help them do that. They can change the GPS coordinates to show that they are at school Clever. when they are not. That's right? something I, if I had a smartphone when I was a teenager, I probably would have tried that one. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Messaging during downtime. Once downtime is enabled, kids can take a screenshot. Oh my gosh. And then they use that picture to select send. And then this pops up a secret message portal from which they can then continue to send, but they can also continue to text people as well. If that makes sense. Hacking the four digit passcode, they can use software to sift through the backup files to get the four-digit password. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's software that does this. Again, all of these things are not meant to scare you or for you to be fearful. It's just just meant to educate you and to encourage you that it's okay to say no to these devices. It's okay to say, no, we're going to pause this. You know, and I know, and Julie, you know, that Mm -hmm. there's no way that we can stay on top of it all. And that's okay. We're not going to be too sad about that. We are just going to do the next best thing. And that best thing is delaying access and and loving our kids enough to, to just say no for now, getting them outside more, getting them better hobbies, letting them use a technology that is easy for you to control like a laptop when you're sitting with them, co-viewing while they're doing their homework. That's really the best tip that we can offer. You have to know what your kids are doing on the devices at all times. And if you are not able to do that, then they don't get the device. That's pretty simple. There is one thing about uh, Circle, because a lot of people ask me about Disney Circle, and we don't have time to go into all of that, but it's super easy to Google. So all you have to do is Google hacks for Disney Circle. Please do that. Please, if you have Circle, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have it. I'm just saying you just can't trust it all the time. And so I want you to be able to do that. How do I bypass my Circle restrictions? You can Google that and get a fabulous layout of how to bypass circle restrictions. It's usually through downloading and installing a VPN and connecting to the VPN and using your browser to uh, search without restrictions. It's really pretty simple, but I think it's really important for parents to be a few steps ahead of the game with that. So to wrap everything up here, I think I just shared, and, and Julie, you've shared too what you do. You just you just remove the devices and enjoy your kids. Uh, like I said, we use the Microsoft free software that comes with our computer, and that seems to work really well. We do not give our kids devices that have to be locked down. That's not smart. We waste so much time trying to figure this out. No app loves your kids as much as you do, like Julie pointed out. I think that you pointed that out earlier, that you are the only person, you and your husband, that love your kids enough to go the extra mile and 
and really help them. And we should not give our kids devices that cause them to lie to us. So think about that and, and try to not be offended when we say that your kids will lie to you. It's okay. It's just, it's part, I mean, it's not really okay, I guess, but it is part of their development. So don't be that parent that has that blind spot that thinks their kids are never going to lie to them. We love our kids, but we don't trust them. And that's okay. Nothing about a smartphone was designed with a child's best interest in mind. It really wasn't. Smartphones are not for kids. Social media is not for kids or teenagers, of course. It is an adult tool. Don't be a sheltered parent. We worry so much that we're going to shelter our kids and we don't want to shelter and be over controlling and all that when really we are probably the most sheltered in that equation. <laughs> I think that we have to be careful not to be sheltered. Just by listening to this podcast today, you are not being sheltered. <laughs> so that's good. You see the need to understand, even though it's, it's mind boggling sometime, you know, with Julie's story today with the, the digital photo frame, it can be exhausting, but we cannot be sheltered as parents. We have to understand, we have to be a few steps ahead. And the other final thing I want to say, Julie, and then I want to have you kind of give us some tips too. But um, I just want to say from my view, from my seat where I am every day, I am in this issue every day with parents that I have really seen a trend that parents who do allow all of these devices that can bring harm to our kids are really hurting their relationship with their kids. Teens do not trust parents who give them hackable devices. And it just reminds me so much of the story from one of my very good friends her son was 13 years old. I had given him a smartphone. This was many years ago. He was in eighth grade and he started acting really depressed and weird and strange. And she didn't know why. And she was so happy to give him his phone because all his friends had the phone. And one day before breakfast, he was getting ready to go to school and he came down the stairs and this brand new $800 smartphone, he took it and he threw it at his mom and it cracked and just broke all over the granite counter on the kitchen countertop. And he started screaming at her. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And he had been, um, you know, they got to the bottom of it. They had to go to the counselor and all, but he had been caught for two weeks in a porn habit that was mm -hmm. new for him. And she had no idea. And she had no idea how to even lock the phone down. And that created a spiral in, in their relationship. And it was very, difficult to repair. And some of those scars really will never heal all the way. And so I, I just remember that so clearly because I know that family really well, and it just grieved my soul so much. And I could just see how a child would get to the point where they do feel like they hate their parents for giving them something that hurt them so much. And he couldn't get out of it. And um, it's just terrible what we are doing and we don't even know we're doing it. Like we don't mean to hurt our kids, but it is so hurtful for them. So the option, the only option is to not bring this into their life yet. They will have plenty of time to learn how to use it later. No adult needs to be taught any of these things because we're adults. And when our kids are adults, they will be fine. We do not have to create all this pain for them during these years that are so impressionable and that will stick with them. And that was a very dark place. 
for that family. So I just want to share that again. I've shared that story before, but I just want you to know that it's not worth it. You are the best parental controls. You know what's best for your kids. So Julie, as we wrap up, what can you recommend? And, and, and just for parents who are out there really struggling, you know, they're feeling terrible. Maybe they are like my friend who, who's they, you know, son got so upset with them over um, the, what he got involved with on his smartphone that they gave him, you know, what can we do? What, what's some advice and some tips you can give to parents? Well, I think um, the biggest thing is to just know that you're not alone. Like you are not the only parent going through this. Uh, You know, some parents don't share this with other parents, but you will find other parents in the Screen Strong um, families group and and in the network that are going through exactly what you're going through. So you're not alone. Um, But then I would also just say, I mean, you have to get through the downs to enjoy the ups Mm -hmm. and it's a long game. Like, um, parenting is a long, a long game. It's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon and we have to do the right things because we're either going to go through this struggle when they're 13 or we're going to go through it when they're 24 and when they're 24 and you're going through this and they're addicted to screens and porn, um, it's a lot more difficult to fix. Um, and that's an, an entirely different set of parents and a different group that I guarantee none of us want to be a part of. But the biggest thing is to just know that, um, you know, our kids can make choices that disappoint us. And my husband gave me a good analogy. He was in the Coast Guard and he said that in the Coast Guard, they loved when storms came because they would say, never let a good storm go to waste. They would use the storm for training so that they could train the new younger people how to deal with rescues and storms and difficulties. And we try to use that in our family now. Um, This was a storm, this picture frame thing. It was a bad choice. Yes, I was upset. Yes, I did some very aggressive house cleaning afterwards. (laughs) Um, But we're going to use this storm to our benefit and we're going to learn from it um, what we can do better, what we should have never done in the first place. And we're going to move forward and become, you know, better people because of it. Mm -hmm. And I I would want to encourage other parents that are in this and feeling like it's just super overwhelming and it's hard to fight against the current of uh, society where everybody is doing social media and everybody is doing this. Your kids will eventually get it. Um, We've been doing this since my 14 year old was in the third grade. It's never been perfect, but his uh, English teacher asked us uh, a few weeks ago, what, you know, did we have any suggestions on what books they should read? And I told him Fahrenheit 451. And if you don't know, it's a book about um, the future. It was written in the 50s about how everybody was watching TVs and they had these seashells in their ears that would talk in their ears while they went to sleep and they basically became kind of zombified. Well, he had them read like a little short story of Ray Bradbury's called The Pedestrian. And it's the same thing, like everybody's watching TV and uh, they had the kids write a paper. This is what my 14-year-old son wrote. I'm just going to summarize it. I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but he said, at the rate we're going now, we will all end up addicted to technology. 
he says, people in this story use television to stay connected to the world, not personal interaction. They seem to accept what they're given and don't look for anything more in the story. I think what the author is trying to tell us is that the addiction to technology today is so strong that soon there won't be any hope left. It will just be a still zombified, uninteresting world. He's been doing this since he was eight. And now he gets it, you know, even through the times where his brain was unplugged or the times where he asked for a smartphone for his birthday and for Christmas and then for his next birthday and then for the next Christmas and still didn't get one. He did get it. There is a bonus for all of our hard work. And, you know, nobody's going to do our job for us. We made these kids. We are parents now and we got to finish the job. That is so, so sweet. And that is really encouraging. I love that the whole point that they will eventually get it and you will see the fruit and Mm -hmm. you are seeing the fruit now, Julie, you're seeing it. And I am definitely seeing it with my kids. And, um, it's kind of like the pay now pay later kind of mentality, right? You got to do some hard things up front, but I know that you would agree with me that the screen strong lifestyle is nowhere near as hard. It's not even on the same planet as how hard it is to manage and control the devices yes. you give it to them. If I could do this again, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would only change that I never bought those iPads to begin with. I, I, but I would I would make this decision again a hundred times over. I, mm-hmm. I don't want I, I, I watch my friends who have parental controls and limits and I see people out at restaurants where their kids are on screens and even at work where people come in with their children and their small children on a screen. And I just I want to say something, but I don't. Yeah. But um, I yeah. would do this over again in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it any other way. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us because the more heart stories we get, the easier it is for everybody listening to also to get what we're talking about and to get this lifestyle and to understand it. And if you are out there listening and still feeling discouraged, please be in touch with us. We will help you. We have been in your shoes and Julie, you are so, I mean, you are just so special to us for coming on and sharing this. It's kind of an embarrassing story, right? So we have Mm -hmm. to get over our embarrassment. We have to just do better when we know better. (laughs) So um, I think that's the key. And again, I love, I love, love, love that you brought in the fact that our kids will eventually get it too. Your life as a screen strong parent is not hard. It is not anywhere near as hard as trying to manage everything. Julie, thank you so much for coming and helping us walk through this tough subject. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for coming today and listening. We do hope you enjoyed every everything we said. If you have any questions, please email us at team at screenstrong.com. Also, our parent online course is available for you to get your small group started Um, It's a wonderful way to get a community built around uh, this, this issue because this is so much easier when you have other families doing this with you. To get more support from like-minded families, join our Facebook group at Screen Strong Families. 
We'll be making that announcement really soon for our website and the forum that we're starting over there on the website. So what's your homework? Your homework is to not stress a whole lot about parental controls <laughs> and to just, you know, do our detox, go to the site, get rid of the devices that have to be so heavily laden with parental controls. Just get rid of them for now. Enjoy your kids. Pay attention to what they're doing on the devices that you do allow them to keep and actually start planning get togethers with their friends at your house because that is one of the best ways to replace all of the screen time is by getting them in real life. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you figure it all out. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Thank you.